for a really great future. We're talking real money. It's time for another podcast. Yes, it is indeed. It is the Talking Real Money podcast. Uh, just emanating from your electronic device right into your earphones, earbuds, your car, or whatever thing you might be listening on. I am Don McDonald, one of your two hosts of Talking Real Money. The other is Tom Cock, who's standing over there, right there, right, right there, waiting, waiting to tell you something interesting about today's subject, which is bondage. Yes, today on Talking Real Money, we're going to go way out on the limb. We're going to go way off topic. No, actually, it's right on topic because the bondage we're talking about is the the things you buy. You When you go out and you invest in fixed income securities issued by corporations, municipalities, or governments, you are putting them in bondage. They are bonded to you. Technically, they're in bondage. That's what it means. Uh, they're not tied up. Well, they are, they're tied to you. They have to pay you and bonds are an essential part of a well-balanced portfolio, whether you like them or not. And, you know, in the past, Tom, it's seemed relatively simple to build a bond portfolio. Is it more complicated than we thought? Well, apparently it is. I mean, in fact, it's so complicated that the folks at Wealthfront, the robo-advisory firm, you don't hear much about them anymore. I mean, it was like 10 years ago, they were all the rage, and uh, they didn't grow to be all the rage that people thought. But the big piece of publicity here recently is that they are offering customers an automatic portfolio made up of only bonds. Um, things like... Uh, a mix of treasuries, corporate bonds. Yeah. I, I, for the life of me, can't understand why this is such a big deal. They, they say, by the way, their current standardized yield is 5.48, which seems tad on the high side. Speaking oh, of, yeah. That sounds like they have some junk in there. Speaking of the high side, they want to charge you 0.25 for the pleasure of doing that. Um, I also worry when I read things like the quote from one 43-year-old client of Wealthfront who says, Wealthfront is like TikTok to me. I log in like 20 times a day. Really? 20 That's times kind of dangerous. That, that sounds is, obsessive yeah. to me. Just well, maybe just a little. Might help you make bad decisions. But, okay, so your portfolio is should be stocks, bonds, maybe a little bit of cash or something like cash for emergencies and other things. How do you do that best? I don't think Wealthfront is the place to go to buy bonds. I don't think it's a place to go to buy stocks either for that matter. And I don't favor robo advisors that much because what we've learned is when you really need your advisor, talking to a machine generally does not help you with the thing you need. But how do you own bonds? Should you, for example, Don, own individual bonds or a bond Mutual fund, a robo-bond advisor, or a bond exchange-traded fund? Well, again, in any asset class, we believe you need diversification. And to buy individual bonds and get diversification with the bond spreads and the fact that you have to deal with dealers and brokers, yeah, buying individual bonds can be a little tricky. We, we, we have suggested in the past that you could create a laddered CD 
uh, portfolio for the bond, for the fixed income portion of your portfolio. But even that is hard to do unless you are determined to keep the discipline, which is why we often suggest you use a good bond fund or a good bond ETF. And one of those we talk about a lot, Tom, is BND, which is the Vanguard Total Bond Index Portfolio, which, which is, uh, what was the expense ratio on the uh, wealth front? At 0.25. Okay. The Vanguard BND ETF is 0.03. Yeah. So I think I have that right. You could pay eight times more. Yeah, that's about right. And you could own the wealth front portfolio. What bothers me a little about that wealth front portfolio is the yield. It It has to mean a couple of things. Uh, it, it means either they're incredibly short term right now with the yield, given what the yield curve is, or or they're stretching on the risk side of the mm. equation because Vanguard is all in, all, for all intents and purposes, it's all investment grade paper and government paper, uh, corporate bonds, but all investment grade. And it's SEC yield is about four and a quarter percent, which that's telling you that's what the market is. So anything you get over and above that has to come at some cost. We don't know what that cost is in this case because we don't have that information because it's a proprietary thing you got to buy. Yeah. And the duration on the BND, thank you for pointing out all those facts, 4.25 on the 30-day yield. The duration is six and a half years, which I feel is a comfortable middle range for a bond portfolio. And then getting back again, Don, to this question, because it comes up, uh, should I just go buy bonds or should I buy a bond fund? Now, generally, it's more cost efficient to buy bonds in larger than in smaller lots. It's just, it's expensive to go buy individual bonds. And you rarely know actually how much you're paying in many cases because the people you're buying from are not very clear. Diversification, another reason I think to use a bond fund makes total sense. And uh, did I mention that Vanguard's BND holds uh, like 10,000 securities? I mean, that's a lot of diversification, right? So, And I believe in the same things around bonds I do with stocks that you know some may go great, some may not go so great. That's why you own a lot of them. And in this case, you own a variety. In in the BND, you've got mainly governments, mainly short and intermediate term uh, notes, but then you also have a little bit of corporate sprinkled in there. I think there might be a tiny bit of uh, mortgage-backed securities in there as well. They've got to, it's a sprinkling of other things, but in the core, it's government bonds, it's short and intermediate term duration, and you correctly point out the the rate is pretty decent now at 4.25. So back to where we started. Let me just say one more thing about bonds in general, a mistake that I see. People have a tendency to look at the bond portfolio and compare it to the stock part and say, wait, the bonds are not making, haven't made what stocks did. You're looking at it wrong. Bonds should be the 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 balance, the ballast rally, pardon me, for the portfolio, the part that sort of sits there, holds everything together that you could draw on if stocks went down. And yes, I know both stocks and bonds lost money in 2022, but generally they're the more stable part. You're hoping to make four to 5%. You're hoping on the stock side to make far more than that, but the bonds provide that stability for you. So again, for me, bond fund, sure. Diversification, low cost and stability, 
and not messing around. And then you make a great point with a yield of five and a half percent. What's going on there? I'd rather take the safer route, get the uh, BND and get the four and a quarter and get on with my life. Well, and I have another problem too, because, you know, you'd like to, we, we, we're big fans of disclosure. Okay. And the Vanguard total bond index, we can look it up and see what their portfolio is made of, what their maturity is, all these things. Now at Wealthfront on their website, it says, quote, meet the automated higher yield bond portfolio. And then they say it's personalized. It's a personalized portfolio for you. How do they quote a 5.48% yield then if it's a personalized bond portfolio? I don't know how the SEC, it shocks me that the SEC hasn't said something because there is no disclaimer that says, that tells you how they arrive at that 5.48%. And remember that 5.48% is after the 0.25% fee, which means that their bonds in the portfolio have to earn about five and three quarter percent Almost on average. Six. Almost yeah. six. That's getting pretty steep there. You're right. So where are they on the risk side of this portfolio? How can they, as exactly as you say, if this is a personalized portfolio, how can they advertise five and a half? Oh. And again, um, I just like the tried and true. The Vanguard bond fund has done very well for a long period of time. You can buy it as a mutual fund. You can buy an exchange traded fund. I think you do that. Vanguard's done a great job of managing bonds for a long period of time and quit messing around. And and I find something that's really cute for generally millennials. It's just adorable. When you scroll to the bottom of the Wealthfront page and they've got all the various things you can click on, you go in the little bottom section of their website. And when you mouse around, a sloth in a jetpack shows up and flies around your screen. And every person I'm needs serious. that on their investment <laughs> management web. That's our problem. We need we need somebody. We need like Spider Man swinging from one. I never afford that. No, no, no. I love the sloth in a <laughs> jetpack. Come on, that makes a lot of sense. Is that rocketing to higher returns? Or I mean, but I gotta it, think see, that it's through, what so. it is. Mm-hmm. Is it's it's a metaphor for for slow and steady, ah, fast and furious growth. It's okay. sort of a well, it's a it's a contradiction. <laughs> It's like, we're slow, but we put a jetpack on to be faster. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Time for a couple quick questions. Oh, gosh, yes. Thank goodness you have the questions. I know. And this one from uh, a place that you and I hold near and dear to our hearts, beautiful Spokane, Washington, where we spend a lot of time you, together. You may hold it dear uh, to you, your that's heart. That's where we developed Whenever our Whenever I was in Spokane, Washington, <laughs> it was so cold. You're from Colorado. That's not no, no, cold. No, no. It's colder than Colorado. <laughs> colder than everybody's got to be known for something. But we developed our friendship in a way. Had we not had Spokane, we'll always have Spokane, Don. We're had we cold. not had Spokane, we we might not have the friendship. And a, and a we few nights today. we were sleepless in Spokane. <laughs> there was that, too. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Uh, well, we were young. <laughs> Jacob in Spokane says, thanks for all the advice you guys, you give. Pardon me. I heard you recommend to pick a day once a year to rebalance a retirement portfolio. I we know did. more frequent rebalancing. By the way, what is that day? I don't know what it is. I know Just more. Just pick one. Oh, okay. I know more frequent rebalancing can result in lower overall returns. Would it be true? Would it be true that not rebalancing could result in higher overall returns? What is the most likely result of not rebalancing? 
to ha- you'll have an unbalanced portfolio. You'd be Im- imbalanced. Yeah, it right. means well. Yeah, well, it depends on what the market's doing. In a rising market, yeah, your returns will probably go up because you're gonna you're, you're gonna be accumulating higher returning, higher risk products. And the whole point of rebalancing is to balance the risk and the return. I mean, if you don't want to rebalance, this should just buy an equity portfolio. And yeah, you'll get a higher return probably, but you'll have greater volatility. I think you did a great chart once that showed like if you bought a portfolio in 2000 and you did nothing, a 60-40, and you did nothing by, I think it was with a balanced portfolio uh, of U.S. and international by like 2010, 2011, you were like 78% in stocks yeah, and a very little bit in bonds. So if you're right. If you do nothing, you just end up out of balance. You don't want to do that. And that's the point. See, that we miss this. We're all about the big picture. Investing should be about the big picture. And the big picture is balancing risk or and reward in a way that's comfortable for you, just you, just you, not everybody in the country or everybody in the world, just you. So you establish that comfortable portfolio at some point. And unless your comfort level changes, what you do when you don't rebalance is you scare yourself more in the future. That's what you're going to do. And we also know, because a recent study showed this, that the people kind of in the middle in withdrawal stages end up keeping more actually and taking more. more money out they, yeah they can take more money out in their uh in their decumulation phase in retirement in that middle uh, that that 30% to yep. 70% bond mi- which is uh, an interesting mix. thing when you think about it because you think greater risk would be greater return but really di- bonds are a diversifier they're a very different type of security so now you have a, a lot of both and you can rebalance and you can draw from either side when, when one's working better than another. So I love that. Uh, this one comes from RC in Bellevue, Washington. Well, that's not far from you. That's right. That's that's where we are right now. That's where um, you are. I have money. I left, I left money in an employer 403B in 2018 and just let the money sit in the employer plan. Now the money's been changed over to principal. During this time, one of the principal reps asked me about moving the money from the employer 403B to one of their Roth IRAs and an AIP. I think it's automatic investing plan, AIP, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm 50, have this chunk of money. I'm watching um, the sloth. Starting a new job. There's hours of entertainment. I'm starting a new job and plan to participate in the 401k, but this money sort of uh, I, I looked at it like a nest egg that I forgot, and it surprised me when they called me about it. But the question at hand here is, should the money go from the 403B to the principal Roth and AIP? And if so, should I treat this like a financial planner search where you ask them about being a fiduciary? <laughs> may short I, conversation. May I, this is yeah. going to really, it's exactly, it's going to, they may tell you that, but if they do, then you are, this is the, one of the, my favorite things is ask someone who you know is not a full-time fiduciary, if they're always a fiduciary. And if they say yes, they've proven to you that they're liars and principal, the principal is an insurance company that can sell mutual funds to you and annuities. This person is calling because what does this person desperately need right now to stay with the principal? 
they need to book a commission. And if they move you from your 403B into their funds or annuities, they're going to book, and my guess is they'll pitch you an annuity inside your Roth. They will book a big fat commission, even though they will say, oh, you don't pay anything. You, in fact, do. We think annuities inside IRAs is a horrible idea of any kind. And we think paying a commission is a horrible idea. And remember, you're being sold something. This is not something you're doing on your own. If your 403B has terrible investment choices, which is must be why the principal guy's telling you to move, then you should move into something where you get better choices, not equally bad choices. So the principle of the matter is that principal oh, is taking me. more of your principal. Do I have that right? Basically, I hate to okay. say you do, but all right, I yeah, finally got one right. Okay, basically, you I have do. an alternative, by the way, because he said he's moving to a new job. Why not just move the money from the old four hundred three b to the, the new four hundred one or four hundred three? Yeah, which yeah isn't guaranteed to be less, but likely probably less expensive Pro- probably, and there. they shouldn't have commissions. No. and in the new four hundred one four hundred three, and but 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 the one thing you want to check, you want to check the, what the investment options are. Make sure they're low cost. Make sure they're either. Uh, academically indexed. based or passive yeah. or indexed, yep. and uh, that they're low cost, um, then you'll be you'll be better off. I think that just makes sense. And can I say wow, 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 wow? wow. wow because you you mentioned the uh, the free portfolio review, the discussions, yeah. and we've talked to a lot of people here the last five days. So happy to keep talking to you until I get out of here for the summer. When am I getting out of here for the summer? When is I don't know, going? but but I'm telling <laughs> you, um, I I just realized yesterday, day before yesterday, yeah, um, that uh, it's uh, it's time for me to uh, to hunker down for the Florida winter. Florida winter is different than the winter in the rest of the country. Florida winter starts sometime in June and lasts until about October. This is the daily rainfall. No, 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 no. This is the. I, I went out the other night with a bunch of people to some an event, an outdoor event, in the evening, and by the time it was over, I was drenched in sweat. I think I. Oh, sweat. I thought I just in said something. Sweat. Okay. So no, the high humidity. W- oh, and the high heat. At nine p.m., it was ninety degrees. And outside. how much humidity? 95% humidity. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I just realized that was the, the, the you know, how, so you, you go outside in the winter and, and a really cold day, like in, in November or December and you go, oh, this is it. I'm just staying inside for the rest of the winter. Well, that's what you're here, doing here. I'm hunkered down. So I'm never leaving. There'll be lots of podcasts, I guess, till I go on a ship and I'll be, what I'll be do, like you would in the North would gather around a fire to keep warm. <laughs> Yeah. We get in the car and gather around the AC vent. AC, just oh, like, please, just give me a little warm. Oh, yeah. What we're so, hoping for here. Anyway, so happy winter, ha- happy yeah, summer. Exactly. Happy and happy to help you look at your portfolio, look at your plan. Yes, I'm still taking Saturday morning uh, calls and meetings. So you can simply go to talkingrealmoney.com, click on meet an advisor. Meet an advisor <laughs> and, and be glad to get you some help. So it's, it's worked out well. It's been great yeah. talking to everybody. And we'll get Tom some help a little later, but that's <laughs> totally that different kind. Different on. website completely, but uh, <laughs> More you know expensive. they do virtual treatments now. They do I virtual so. therapy. I yeah, just so. want to let you know. Thank you all for being a part of our little get-together. We truly do appreciate you. And, uh, and keep me company over the long, long, warm winter here in Florida uh, as we hang out nearly every day doing that voodoo that we do so well. 
Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.